Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Is it legal? Is it legit? That's the question. Is the indictment of former President Donald Trump by the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg legal? Is it legit? Now, look, it's it's legal. It's legal. You can bring an indictment against anyone. You can indict a, what is it, a, indict a cheese sandwich? Isn't that the, the expression? There's something like that. But is it legit? Well, that's something completely different. And even on the legal side, there could be a judge who says, are you nuts? The legit side is the court of public opinion. The legal side is the actual courts. And the question is, does Alvin Bragg have it here? Hell, we don't even know what it is yet. And wait till you learn what all the it's it can be. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Yes, I wasn't scheduled to be here today, but the indictment came out. And how could I not be here talking about it with you? So I got together with Cornell Law Professor William Jacobson because I wanted to break down the legal parts of this. Everybody can do speculation. That's an easy part. I want to understand what's happening here. I want to understand how these processes work. And most importantly, this conversation of legal versus legit. And we got into it. That right there is William Jacobson, (laughs) Cornell Law Professor and the Mind behind LegalInsurrection.com, LegalInsurrection.com. You should go check it out and also check out what he's doing with the foundation, the work he's doing with things like critical race theory. I ask these questions because they're the top two, right? People who are junkies, they've been paying attention. People are like, whoa, whoa, did they just indict Trump? They've got a whole nother series of questions. So first, let's get into your thoughts on the indictment comes. Were you surprised? Were you shocked? What's your take on what you know thus far? Well, it wasn't a surprise in the sense that everybody's been talking for weeks, if not months now, about how it's moving towards an indictment. But when it actually happened, yes, I I actually was kind of shocked because it's a momentous uh, event in the history of the country where a politicized prosecutor, somebody who vowed to get Trump uh, during his campaign, is now actually following through on it. And so I think it's very worrisome. It's very troublesome. Uh, It's a a dark moment in our country where a a politically motivated prosecutor can try to interfere in an upcoming presidential election. So, yes, in that sense, it was a surprise. As political as we know that Soros-backed prosecutors have become, it's still a shock when they actually do something like this. As to the indictment itself, uh, we have to wait and see. We have to see what's in it. But if the leaks and the reporting by the New York Times and others is correct, this does seem like a very far-fetched theory that they're pursuing against Donald Trump. Somebody There's nothing other? wrong with saying Soros-backed prosecutor. Absolutely nothing wrong with saying that, sir, because he is backed by George Soros. And when people say, when you say that, oh, that's anti-Semitic, I'm just letting everybody know, you can tell them your Jewish friend. Tony said, no, 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 it's okay to say Soros-backed prosecutor. But when you bring that up, that is to bring up the idea of where Alvin Bragg's politics really are, where they lie on the on the spectrum. You set, talk about not being surprised uh, by the, the uh, this going forward, maybe a little amazed, not necessarily surprised. There is a, a difference in the thing. So let's break down these two bases, uh, two basics, as I call them. Is this legal? 
Is this something that the district attorney in Manhattan can do, whether it's the idea of charging a president uh, or, or a former president, or is it more of charging a former president like this? Yeah. Well, I'm going to take you off track for a second and deal with the Soros-backed prosecutor issue. Um, I find it completely disgusting when people abuse the accusation of anti-Semitism, which is a very serious accusation, simply because people are stating a fact. George Soros backed a number of Democrat prosecutorial candidates. It was reported widely. He has bragged about it. George Soros found a weakness in our system, and that weakness in our system is that the vast power that prosecutors have has now been mobilized for political purposes. And that was his intention in funding all these prosecutors. Our system relies on the good faith of prosecutors because they have so much power, including the power to bring matters to a grand jury where the defendant doesn't get to present countervailing evidence, doesn't get to present opposing viewpoints. And so George Soros backed prosecutors have created enormous destruction in this country through non-prosecution of crimes, uh, Alvin Bragg being number one. He, on day one, he announced he was down. He would not prosecute a lot of crimes, including some violent crimes. So there is nothing wrong with saying Soros backed prosecutor. Um, I use it in 2019. I was selected by Algeminer magazine as one of the top 100 people in the world positively influencing Jewish life. And I have no hesitation in saying that what George Soros has done is destructive and do not try to shut us up by making the false accusation of anti-Semitism. By the way, we should be clear, uh, I did not make the list and I consider that to be anti-Semitism. Is that not how it works? <laughs> is that not how it, is that, let's get back to Alvin Bragg and really get yeah, into this totally. one-two punch. The question is, is, is it the, the legality of it all? Uh, that will be ruled upon by a judge. This appears to be, assuming there's no surprises in the indictment, there's no crimes alleged unrelated to the payment to Stormy Daniels, assuming, as the New York Times and others have reported, this is all relating to bookkeeping crimes, um, then a judge is going to have to rule on whether a local prosecutor, a county-level prosecutor, can turn stale, out-of-time misdemeanor charges into felonies that, uh, based on alleged violation of federal campaign laws, particularly where the federal government has investigated and chosen not to prosecute. So I think that there is a significant likelihood that if that is the basis for this indictment, that if not a state court, lower court trial judge, an appellate court will say, you can't do this, Alvin Bragg. You can't bootstrap something. We wouldn't allow you to do this to anybody else, and we're not going to allow you to do it just because you don't like Donald Trump. So I think the legality is suspect. Again, we've got to wait to see what's in the indictment. But I think there is a significant possibility that a judge will throw this out. Before we get into the, the concept of legitimacy, I, I, when I first heard that he was indicted, I was like, this is nuts. And then you start hearing reports that the indictment, which has not been uh, unsealed, may have like 20 charges. And then this morning it was hearing about how there might be 34 charges in the indictment. 
As you hear numbers like that, and again, I, I agree that it, that it's speculative, and I and I appreciate your positioning that may people may be you know bothered by this. The legality of it is only determined by what we know about when the indictment is is known to all. But as somebody who has gone through this, who has engaged uh, as a lawyer for a, a number of years, when you see thirty four charges, does that seem to you like wow, Bragg's got something here and is hitting it from every angle? Or, wow, Bragg's got nothing here, and he's just desperately trying to hit one fish in the barrel. Well, we don't know what the 34 charges are. It right. could be that there were 34 pieces of paper or 34 computer entries all related to the same payment, and he's choosing as a publicity stunt to charge them in 34 separate counts as opposed to a single count. We don't know that. So the mere number of 34 seems to me like a publicity stunt. Okay, so so the, uh, just just to interrupt, uh, that that was it. Like for a lot of people, you hear thirty four, and you're like, oh my gosh, what do they have? You're saying it could be thirty four charges on the same thing to make it sound like a big thing. Exactly. Each entry, in theory, that was improper, in theory, uh, could be a separate count. Okay, they could say, you know, on whatever the date was, you know, July one, whatever the year. And then again on July 2, and then again on July 3. So we don't know, but that's what's so troublesome is that the leaks about these things are meant to generate headlines. They're meant to have a, a political impact. And that's just another indication that uh, what Alvin Bragg is up to here is politics. And, and there's every indication of that from his prior public statements, from the fact that prior district attorneys in New York and Manhattan looked at this and chose not to prosecute. He sat on it for a number of years, for the two years that he's been in office. So everything about this smells really bad, particularly why are you doing it now? Why didn't you do it a year ago? Why didn't you do it 18 months ago. Why are you doing it now Why? when Donald Trump has finally declared as a candidate? And the question is, if he had not declared as a candidate, would these charges have been brought? And, and I think the answer about, is no. How about the concept of the feds? Talking to William Jacobson of LegalInsurrection.com, Cornell Law Professor, check out his work at LegalInsurrection.com. Wasn't this a case that federal prosecutors said, you know what? We hate Trump. We think he's the worst. We would like to talk bad about him all day long, but we ain't got nothing here. Wasn't that the case just a couple of years ago? Well, I don't know that they issued a pronouncement exonerating him, but they did look at it. They did investigate it. And so and decided did, not to go forward. That's, my that's right. And they decided not to go forward. So uh, which is powerful proof because the feds could, if there was a federal election law violation, you would expect the federal government to be prosecuting it, not the district attorney in Manhattan. Uh, this is just an attempt to get Trump. Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. Whether it holds up in court, I think there's a better than 50-50 chance that if what we believe it to be is what it turns out to be, a judge will say, you can't do this. You're too late. You should have done this five years ago. Walk down a bit of this legal thought process with me and tell me if I'm right or wrong. The attorney general of the state of New York, Letitia James, ran. Her campaign was predicated on the indictment of Donald Trump. That, it, it, we understand that to be true. She absolutely did that. Is there amongst between, between an attorney general and a DA, like if you and I were both in the concrete business and we decided to say, hey, 
we're going to charge $7 a yard or $2 a yard or whatever it is. That would be considered collusion. Is there anything amongst within the legal world that Letitia James could have applied pressure to Alvin Bragg? You have to get this done. Or is it two people who were elected into office uh, who simply could talk about these things and there is no legal issue therein? Well, there's probably no legal defense there that if it's true that Letitia James' office spoke to Alvin Bragg's office, I, the, the charges are the charges. They will right. either stand up legally, but what motivated them, I'm not sure, is a, a legal defense. Uh, but it, it goes to a bigger issue is this is a, a deeply blue state with uh, politicized, weaponized prosecutors who go after political opponents. Letitia James was even worse in her campaign than Alvin Bragg. Letitia James said the entire reason she's running for office is not just to get Donald Trump, but to get his businesses and his family. And she seems to be pursuing that, although she hasn't brought criminal charges. This is a complete corruption of the power of the state that lies in the hands of prosecutors. This system that we have relies on some measure of good faith in prosecutors. And we know that there are malicious prosecutions. We know this is not the first time a prosecutor has been politically corrupted. But the fact that it's taking place as to a former president as we're in prime, the early stages of primary season makes it so much worse. Why didn't Alvin Bragg do this six months ago before Donald Trump declared his campaign for president? He and could have to, done it. And to that point, when you talk about what it does, we heard reports that there were assistant district attorneys in Alvin Bragg's office saying, don't do this. Do you expect to see a slew of resignations in the next 48 hours of people saying, yeah, I'm out. I, I'm an actual lawyer. This is nuts. No, I don't expect to see a slew of resignations, but I'm hoping there will be one person in that office who will do the right thing and come forward as a whistleblower and blow the whistle on what happened and reveal those consultations, because this is by all appearances, not a proper prosecution. This is by all appearances a political prosecution. And somebody in that office needs to step up and reveal what went on behind the scenes. I don't think there's any privilege to that, but they certainly could invoke various whistleblower laws. They could cooperate with Congress. They could cooperate perhaps with other prosecutors if there is something that unfounded and untoward went on in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Somebody needs to step up and reveal why this is being done at this time to this person that is so impactful on our nation and on our presidential election. Really quick, uh, be, 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 because I'm, I'm up uh, against it. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com. Th there came this question. If the charges don't stick, do you think it'll boost Trump's chances for election? It's a political question, um, but uh, is is... As you see it, could you play politically? You think this is a gift to Trump or you think this is a problem? Well, in the moment, in the short term, it's certainly going to help Trump's chances of winning the Republican nomination. I think by all accounts, he was the leading candidate, but we really hadn't started the primaries. But I don't think you can predict what the longer term impact is going to be. I don't think you can say, what's it going to be in eight months from now? Depends what happens with these charges depends if other charges are brought by other prosecutors, and it depends whether Republican voters want to have this be the issue going into a general election. You know, 
I think the notion that a lot of people on my website and in you know conservative world that oh this is a guarantee that Trump's going to be the next president. I'm sorry that that's just not the case. You live in a bubble. We live in a bubble. And outside that bubble, people are deeply suspicious of Donald Trump, deep dislike of Donald Trump. He has never won the popular vote in the country. He barely eked by in 2016. So the notion that Donald Trump being maliciously charged is going to win him the presidency, I think is wrong. I think there's two levels of manipulation going on here. One is the manipulation by the prosecutor. The other part is Democrats, I think, are thrilled about this. They want Trump to be the nominee. They want to go into a general election with all these criminal charges pending yeah. against the Republican nominee. And yes, it will solidify some part of the Republican base, but I think people are deluding themselves if they think this is going to win a general election for Donald Trump. And there is a big difference, guys, a massive difference between a primary and a general Always be remembering that. My thanks to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Mr. President, do you think that the charges against Trump are politically motivated? Yeah, he has no comment on Trump. Dang straight, he has no comment on Trump, and he's not about to have a comment on Trump. The smartest thing in the world Joe Biden can do is not have a comment on on Trump and on this indictment, which is why every reporter should ask him what his take is on Donald Trump and this indictment every single second of every single day, because that man is going to crack. He is going to break, I tell you. And when he does, that comment, that gaffe is going to be glorious. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, good to be with you. My gosh, absorbing this, taking this all in as we have been in less than 24 hours. You could have knocked me over with a feather yesterday. There I am. I'm in my parents' home. I'm actually coming to you from my parents' home in Florida. My mother, as you know, I shared it because I'm trying to get better at sharing. I am. And then I don't get too personal and it feels still, it's still tough for me. I'm, uh, there are tougher things in the world. So like I should just, you know, man up and handle it. So my mother had surgery. My mother's getting older. I need to come down and keep an eye on her. I do just that. Uh, myself, my father, my, my, my brother, my mother were, were sitting uh, at, at the dining room table. And all of a sudden, you know, phone, little bing, one of those, oh, Trump got indicted. And just the, the, the hush in the room was, was just for a moment. And it was, they really did it? And I think that's how the vast majority of Americans feel. They really did this? They really did this? Why? What's what's the win? What's the plus? You know that the Trump supporter is just going to be massively emboldened. You know that there's going to be a lot of push on Democrats for how you abuse the law. Why is it that Democrats made a decision that they clearly should? It doesn't seem to be well within their 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 best interest. It doesn't seem to make any sense. And the answer is, well, that's the question. This doesn't seem to work for them. This doesn't seem to be a value for them. There doesn't seem to be a win in this because, well, you got to assume that a judge is going to be okay with this case. You have to assume that the 34 charges are actually individual ones as opposed to the same one basically repeated 34 times coming at you from different angles. And you have to believe that you've got enough control of the populace to make them believe that this matters. And I don't think they have any of that. So why did they do it? 
So what is it that they know that I don't? What is it that they're thinking that I haven't been able to figure out? That is what I've been thinking about. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. You know, there are, or there is, you know, there is, or you know, there are other stories out there besides the Trump indictment. You know, there is other stories out there. I think it's are. There are other stories, not is, although is seem to be the more natural way to do that. Uh, will the English teachers please get back to me, Tony at TonyCats.com, and let me know what's what. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, guys. Good to be with you. What's happening? It turns out there will be no trans day of vengeance. And I know that many of you are disappointed because now you don't know what to do with your Saturday. There was going to be a trans day of vengeance. You saw the signs. We talked about this. Remember, the people who tell you, you know, that you're, you're, you're killing people if you don't allow children to change their gender and engage in mutilation surgeries. By the way, children can't change their gender. That should be known. You have to let them have this quote unquote gender affirming care, which is not affirming in any way, shape or form. What a horrible, despicable, uh, kind of wordplay, uh, that is. You have to let them have surgeries. You have to let people take, uh, uh, children take puberty blockers. You have to let them do all these things. And if you don't, you're harming them. You're leading them to suicide. That's what they say. I've never heard or seen in my lifetime such lies, such incredible, radical things said by some to get others uh, the opportunity to abuse children. I've, I've never seen this. And if you say to me, Tony, they're, all, they're not all abusing children. There are parents out there just doing what they think is best for their kids. I really do believe that to be true, you know. I really do believe that there are parents out there who are just trying to do the best for their kids. And that is a hard thing to get in the middle of and get involved in. But if you're going to let your kid mutilate themselves, have their body changed, you're going to be engaging in, in chemicals to, to change their body makeup for forever, perhaps, just perhaps, something should get said out loud. Perhaps society might want to have a say in that. And believe me when I say, I am in favor of the parent. I'm in favor of making decisions. You know, when, when, a, when a parent doesn't want to vaccinate their child, you'll see some, uh, some people go nuts. How dare you not vaccinate your child? You have to vaccinate your child. As a matter of fact, your child should be taken away from you if you don't vaccinate your child. These are the same people who are very often trying to tell you, well, it's gender affirming care and who are you to get in the way? It's 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 a remarkable mix. Well, it can go the other way. If you don't want to vax your kid, you don't want to vax your kid. If you don't want to give your kid the COVID vaccine, don't do it. So now I'm the guy uh, saying, well, then why are you telling me I can't do this, that, or the other? The difference, and I want to be clear about this, is that allowing your child to physically, physically change their appearance through surgery is abuse. Tony, is a nose job abuse? No, a nose job is not abuse. Plastic surgery is absolutely positively not abuse. But those are things that are done for A, possibly some kind of physical ailment, or B, to enhance who they are as opposed to changing who they are, which can't be done. If I have a nose job, well, you just have to accept who you are. 
well, I've got this deviated septum and the breathing's an issue and I can just get it fixed. You should get it fixed. If you want to compare that to changing gender, well, um, you're weird. You're super weird. As a matter of fact, you're dangerous. Fixing your nose, getting a nose job, getting breast implants, those kinds of things. I'm not down for all of that. I, I will tell you that in, in conversations with my wife, and, and my wife is, is perfect. I love, love the way my wife looks. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, it, 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 She's talked about Botox before. I'm like, if you want to get Botox, you want to try it, try it. But facelifts are out of the question. You are not allowed to get a facelift. Nope, nope, nope. That's my face. I love that face. I want to look at that face every single morning. Don't you mess up that face. And I don't know what those damn lip fillers are, but stop that right away, everybody. Enough. It's weird. You all look like freaks. You don't look good. It doesn't look sexy. It doesn't look attractive. It's never looked attractive. Anybody who's told you it looks attractive has lied through their teeth. There's nothing to it. As a matter of fact, a guy who thinks lip fillers are attractive, chances are is lousy in bed. I'm going to say it. I meant it. I'm not going to apologize for it. That's how grossed out I am by the lip fillers and those people who like them. Some people, they get facelifts. I'm not going to tell them not to get a facelift. They want to get a facelift, go right ahead. Now, facelifts are usually done by adults, so I guess that takes us out of the conversation. But there are some nose jobs that are done by children. A nose job is not thinking that you've changed your gender, because one is about how one feels about themselves. The other is pretending that you're something that you're not. I believe that the feelings are real, but if the honesty is not attached to it, nothing can be there. If you were born a boy, you are going to die a boy. You're going to die a man, but you know what I mean. You cannot, through the surgery, change how you feel about yourself. Only you can do that. Now, maybe the surgery uh, on a nose job will, will give somebody some, some great empowerment and they'll go out and they'll have this wonderful, super happy life and they're so thrilled that they did it. But they still have to do it from within. You allow that for a child, it's abusive. If they're 18 and they want to do it, it's out of my hands. I may still not get it. And we have cases where people don't feel fulfilled. They're searching for this fulfillment, but it doesn't come. Um, but that's on them to figure out. The idea that you would let children do this, that's, that is madness. And I do consider it abusive. I don't say that these parents don't love their kids. I think that is a nonsense thing to say. Now, in some cases, it is very obvious to me, outsider looking in, that the parents are as guilty of the social contagion as anybody else, and they do push their kids. And we absolutely have adults who are pushing their kids into this. We absolutely have those in the educational field and in other fields who are cajoling kids and pressuring kids into these kinds of things and not admitting that kids can change their mind. Let them have a chance and a time to be children. Let them do it. It's good for them. And as, uh, as we've been discussing here, this very important line, what if you're wrong? You see, if I'm wrong and the kid waits until they're 18, they just had to wait a few years. 
If you're wrong, the kid is forever altered in a way that will hurt them and harm them for the rest of their days. The waiting makes sense. And anything that we can discuss in this, in this conversation that puts an end to the abuse of children from those adults who don't want them to wait, just do it, do it, do it. Like it's super creepy, right? I believe in the waiting. I believe in not abusing children. And I believe it is abusive of children and adults to claim that if there's a law that says a child can't do this, that it's, it's transgenocide. Transgenocide. That's screwed up stuff. But the people involved in these kinds of organizations, are they really talking that screwed up way? And they were going to have on April 1st, a trans day of vengeance. Day of vengeance. This is going to be at the Supreme Court. Wear a mask, bring a buddy. I swear to you, that's what the flyer said. And now it's been canceled. And by the way, one of the groups involved with this, absolutely an Antifa group, because this is always the Antifa people. They just want to destroy things. They just want to burn things down. They're just violent people. That's all they are. They couldn't handle a punch to the face if their life depended on it, but they're very, very, very violent people. They've decided to cancel it. And here's what they said. This action is not happening due to credible threat to life and safety. They are putting on a trans day of vengeance, and now they cancel it because their safety is threatened? First of all, by whom? Their own group? Who threatened them? Who threatened them? And secondly, if you're looking for a day of vengeance and somebody says, oh yeah, come and get us, we'll kick your butt. And you're like, oh my God, it's a threat against my safety. And you stop your day of vengeance. Was it really a day of vengeance you were going for? I mean, was it really the, that thing that you were pushing? Mm, I, it doesn't seem to be uh, that way. These people, they're pathetic. Scare you, cajole you, attack you, threaten you, abuse you. All the rest, call you a genocidal maniac or whatever else it is, guilty of genocide, guilty of murder. You're, you're, you, you don't believe in child-affirming care. You, you're just full of hate. You're none of those things. And it makes me go back to the conversation I had earlier because I think some people might be shocked by my, by my commentary there. I never lose sight of the fact that we're talking about people. This is not a conversation in the abstract. We're talking about children and we're talking about parents. Now, we should be clear about some things just because words have meaning and I believe in definitions. There are indeed groomers out there. There are indeed abusers out there. They are, there are indeed adults out there who want children to do all these things because they like abusing children. That's true. That's fact. I'll say it anywhere, anytime. I'll say it under oath. I'll say it anywhere. You know those people exist. They get arrested all the time. Uh, maybe not even enough. We see this and we know this is true. And our job is to protect children from them. But man, it's kind of weird if you don't have a, a place in your soul, in your heart, in your mind, in your whatever you call it, for parents who are going through this with their children and simply want to do what's best as they see it for their kids. Now, I don't think what is best is letting them engage in surgery. 
I do not think what is best is allowing them to pretend that they're something that they're not. I don't think that that is best. I'm not the parent here. And I don't know the kid here. So how do I get myself to the place where I oppose the idea of surgeries for these children? And if you look at, for example, Indiana and SB 480, um, the, the surgeries and the, and the, and the medicines that are not allowed are specific to gender transition, sur- transition surgeries and not if a child should need something based on a, a need of care, based on an issue. Right. Something I, I wouldn't know what it is, not being being a doctor. And some people have said, well, you're not a doctor and doctors are OK with this. So who are you to say anything? I'm a member of society who recognizes what happens when you allow children to make the decisions that only adults can make. And I'm a member of society that understands that if you do not allow children to experience childhood and all of the resolutions they make in their own mind. I'm going to do this. And then they realize a year later, wait, that's not for me. I'm going to do that. Or they realize two months later, it's a dumb idea. I want this. Or they're going to realize three months later, no, that's exactly what I want. If you don't allow children to do that, well, what are you doing? How are we raising children who ever learn? They said something, everybody catered to every part of it. And they somehow, you, you, you think that's good for their development? That's not good for their development. It's not good for their development. Right now, there is a parent out there who every day gives their kid cake. They're they're Cartman's mom. And the kid gets fat. And you know what the mom does? Every day, the mom gives the kid cake because she feels bad and all he wants is a piece of cake. And then she says, my gosh, he's overweight. Oh, he feels so bad. You know what will make him feel better? A piece of cake. Now, you can apply that in every single different way. You know that happens. And you've seen that happen. And you may have done something like that. Different variations, different degrees. Come on, t- take a look at yourself as a parent or take a look at yourself as an adult or, or, or a grandparent or as an uncle or an aunt or, or something, some you know, w- workplace. Sometimes you feed bad behavior. Not playing a pun on feed, but you get my point. And sometimes... You realize that by not saying no, you've done the most damage. It's doing the most damage. I argue that while there are indeed parents who absolutely love their children, if you allow them to physically harm themselves, it's doing the most damage. And I do not know how we do not agree in society that allowing a child to engage in gender transition surgery to take puberty blockers which do alter them isn't the most damage i don't question whether or not their parents love them i could argue well if you really love them then x but i i'm i'm trying to see where they are i'm trying to respect that what they're going through is real and with all due respect to, to myself, I don't, I, I have no way of really understanding what they're going through. I'm only trying. And I think that that's so lost in this conversation that not only are these kids kids, but for a fair amount of these parents, they're in 27 levels of pain trying to figure out what they do for their child who has come to them and they love their kid. And it can't be denied.
It's just that we can't allow children to make these decisions and take childhood away from them. We can't take childhood away from them. And so I'm on the side that I'm on. And I will defend it without question and without debate. Uh, and, well, with debate, but without question. That much is true. I'm Tony Katz. So people have been calling Reggie Wayne, Indianapolis Colts, now wide receivers coach, to try and get the Colts to bring Lamar Jackson to town. Right? Uh, Baltimore Ravens quarterback, free agent, uh, wants the guaranteed contract. And Reggie Wayne is tweeting out, we all stop at me to tell the Colts to get Lamar. I have no way of making your wish come true. Hell, I'm still trying to get my kids to listen to me, let alone an organization. He's, he's not wrong. He is, he is not wrong. But, but Reggie's gotta understand that, you know, at least the organization respects him. I don't know. That is not a knock on his kids. That is every father who understands it. You could run a Fortune 50 company. You come home, your kids are like, we want ice cream. You suck. We're going to stay with mom. Mom and I aren't even divorced. We don't care. It's like, it's like that. It's like that. So it's, it's a very, very funny line. Good on him. Solid on him. Uh, Reggie Wayne right there. Yeah, it does not seem like the Colts are going for Lamar Jackson. It seems like the Colts are going for Will Levis uh, from Kentucky. And, man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, his pro day was solid, but Richardson's pro day was at Florida. Hoo-wee! He's got people salivating. I just don't think the Colts are salivating for him. I don't think. I. We're going to watch. We're going to see. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. <laughs>